If you're a founder, you know that fundraising is a big part of the job. What you might not know is that Carta is there to help. Carta's new fundraising suite provides startups of all stages the best tools and support to easily issue safes, accurately forecast solution, and quickly close funding rounds. Save time, money, and make your next round your best yet. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Welcome to Inc.'s The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, the founder of LearnVest, author of New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, and second book, Financially Forward. I'm also the founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm focused on the entrepreneurs of the future. Each week, we sit down with the top founder to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Alexa Von Tobel. And this week, I want you to meet Woody Levin, co-founder and CEO of Extend, the leading provider of modern product protection. Woody started Extend in 2019 to modernize the warranty industry. The company has since raised over $320 million in venture capital and works with a wide range of customers like Peloton. Woody has spent 20 years as an entrepreneur building several successful technology and finance companies. At just 21 years old, Woody became the CEO and co-founder of InStadium, an advertising company that partnered with NFL and MLB stadiums. Woody was also a managing partner at Riverbank Capital Management, an equity options trading firm that he started and helped grow it with offices in New York and Chicago. Woody is a licensed attorney and holds a BS from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where he was a member of the men's Division I ice hockey team. In addition to his current role at Extend, Woody currently serves as a member of the board of directors of DraftKings. Let's welcome Woody. Hi, Woody. Exciting to have you here today. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me, Alexa. I'm a huge fan of everything you've accomplished as well as an entrepreneur. And it's always super energizing for me to see entrepreneurs who move to the dark side uh, and become uh, investors because... In my experience, they are able to understand what you're going through as an entrepreneur, as a founder, as a CEO, as a leader, much more so than venture capitalists who have maybe just gone to business school. So um, I'm excited to see someone you know, like yourself uh, move over to, uh, to inspire the next generation of, of entrepreneurs uh, as well. I'm glad you love our thesis. That's our core thesis. Um, Woody, first of all, congratulations on just an absolute explosion with Extend. I want to start just for everybody listening with the basics, what is Extend in your own words? And give us the aha moment of what made you decide to go and, and, and launch the business. So Extend, so super simple. Extend is an easy to integrate or API first solution that allows any merchant to offer extended warranties and protection plans on the products that they sell. So you can think of us as Stripe. So Stripe allows any merchant to take payment online without a deep one-off integration into the payment gateways themselves. Very simple to do. So they enabled payments online. Companies like Affirm and Klarna and Afterpay, right? They took consumer point of sale financing or what my parents and I called layaway as a kid that you didn't really talk about. And they made it cool and easy to happen at the point of checkout. So we took a look at extended warranties and protection plans and saw that the top 1% of merchants Amazon, Best Buy, Costco, Walmart, Wayfair, were all offering extended warranties and protection plans, but the rest of the market was not being served. So we identified what we now call it was a distribution problem. Um, and we said, can we use technology to solve that? Uh, the second th problem that we identified, Alexa, was basically the customer experience around extended warranties today is broken. And I don't know if you ever purchased extended warranties, do you? On a few occasions, I have purchased an extended warranty. Okay. Do you have Apple Care? Yes. 
Great. So AppleCare is an extended warranty just under a brand name. So Apple's done an amazing job of creating this digitally native, modern customer experience around extended warranties and protection plans. So the easiest way to think of extend is AppleCare for everything. We are up-leveling the customer experience. We created a claims bot named Kaylee, who is available 24-7, 365. She's handling 98% of customer interactions today to completion in under 60 seconds. So this is wholly built in-house. So it's literally like you're texting with your friend, um, being fair, transparent, and open about, is there a deductible? What's covered? What's not covered? How do you file a claim? Making sure that we take care of the adjudication quickly rather than having to pick up the phone, wait on hold for 30 to 45 minutes, and then wait a week or two to get an approval decision on your claim. So that's really what we're focused on is solving distribution and most importantly, making this a, uh, a modern, dare I even say, elegant experience for consumers. So I read something that I want to make sure I, uh, the origin story starts with you losing a fantasy football bet. Can you just tell us what that was about? Yes, yes. So um, so I sit on the board of DraftKings. Uh, so we would call it a fantasy football contest because a bet would be gambling. And this is a skill-based gaming uh, with daily fantasy sports. But I was playing against uh, DraftKings CEO Jason Robbins and my running back, James Conner on the Pittsburgh Steelers, got hurt on Monday Night Football. And we had $100 uh, on the, uh, the tournament. And because my running back got hurt, I didn't get any points. So as friends do afterwards, we were texting each other back and forth saying, I would have kicked your butt if my player didn't get hurt. I might've been using more colorful language uh, that I don't want to share with all of your listeners right now, Uh, but I'm very competitive. So I said, you know what? We need to put a protection plan around the player's performance. Basically meaning that they show you an expected point value for that player that you draft. And if the player scores a standard deviation outside of their expected point value because they get hurt, because they get benched, Uh, because there's inclement weather or they just have a bad game, you would basically pay a portion of your entry fee into that pool and then you would get your money back. Not dissimilar from insurance and blackjack, uh, if you're familiar. And uh, Jason basically said, you know what, Woody, I like it. If you want to do that, go build it. So after doing some research, you know, everyone has sort of their own entrepreneurial journey of how you, you come to these ideas. And I always try to figure out reasons why my ideas won't work, right? Part of that includes calling my mom because no one's going to shoot you straight like your mom uh, <laughs> and, and tell, you, tell you to calm down. And, and, and this is, these are the reasons that it won't work. And we saw that uh, daily fantasy sports protection plans on players' performance was very niche. Even though DraftKings would do billions of dollars in entry fees, it was a feature. It wasn't a product. It definitely wasn't a business, but it led me down this rabbit hole, Alexa, where I started looking at, you know, the, the e-commerce market in general and what was happening there. And that's really where we saw the opportunity. Wait, I love that. Okay. So then from there, how did you put one foot in front of the other and decide, all right, I'm going to go do this full time. What was that experience like? And then we'll get into the product. I want to hear about the product, how it makes people feel, what people are insuring, et cetera. I don't know what your process is like, but mine includes probably my iPad, my computer, my phone, lots of pieces of paper, notes everywhere, just you know, going down rabbit holes until all hours of, of the night, but really to, to validate this idea. And then, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've been an entrepreneur for almost 20 years now. So I have a pretty good network of people that I can bounce ideas off of. And, and once I had formulated at least some scope of the idea, validated how large the market was, and that there was an opportunity there, um, you know, we started putting together the team. But for in the early days, it was really just taking a look at the market and looking at, you know, companies like iRobot and and uh, and and Dyson and um, 
you know, uh, Harman Kardon, JBL and Brilliant Earth and these other companies out there that were, were doing millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars in sales, but did not yet have a protection plan program. So there was a real gap in the market that we identified. So your mission, as you just mentioned, is Apple Care for Everything. Can you walk through what that looks like? Give us a sense of what products people are insuring. And you just described this delightful customer bot that makes it so easy. And you're right, the, the biggest thing sitting here as somebody who ensures some things and not nearly enough is it's just a pain. So let's walk through what are people insuring and what makes the experience so delightful? So you're right. It, 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 it used to be right uh, just a huge pain to do this. And it was almost more hassle to deal with it. And it's also, you know, we've all been to Best Buy checking out, buying something. And then there's that high pressure sale to add the protection plan where you just want to get out of the store. You want to get home and play your video game or listen to on your new headphones or put up your new TV. So we've really tried to create a paradigm where uh, from very the very beginning of offer presentment, right, that consumers uh, can see clear, concise and, and fair terms into uh, what they're purchasing. And um, understanding that an educated consumer is more likely to convert to become a, a customer and a proponent of what we're doing. So it starts right away, right? It starts right with the offers that we're presenting to consumers on the product detail page, information on uh, that's contextually relevant to the specific product, what failures are protected, when the extended warranty or the protection plan starts, what filing a claim looks like, like how fast and easy that is. We never have a deductible on any of our plans. So we're really removing the guesswork up front in order to educate and be fair to consumers. Taking a step back, there's three parts to what we'll call the service contract stack. And I use extended warranties, protection plans, and service contracts. That's just the legal vernacular. It means all the exact same thing. There's the technology-enabled broker. So that's our pre-built integrations into all the e-commerce platforms, Shopify, Magento, Salesforce, Commerce Cloud, BigCommerce, IBM WebSphere, NetSuite on the back end, and more. Then you have the fully licensed administrator. This is actually what I think is the most important part of the entire stack because it allows us to control the customer experience from start to finish. This is where all the legacy companies fail, right? And the reason for that is these legacy companies are insurance companies. We're not an insurance company. We're a technology company. Right? Insurance companies, no one wants to deal with. Insurance companies will take on your risk until they're losing too much money and then they run the other direction. Right? I mean, I live in California and in California, there are some insurance companies that won't even underwrite homeowners insurance anymore because they've had too many claims. That's not a good partner. right? No one's ever said I've had a great experience with an insurance company. So as a technology company, we can really focus on and double down on customer experience. And that truly is our North Star. So as I said, it's, it's, it's our claims bot named Kaylee. Right, that handles 98% of those customer interactions due completion in under a minute. It's being able to file a claim when you want from whatever device you want. We actually see that most people are filing claims in their local time after dinner time. Imagine you're sitting on your couch, you're watching something on TV, or you're laying in bed and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot to do this. The last thing you want to do is pick up the phone and talk to some stranger or have to snap pictures. Right. So we've made it really easy for customers to interact. So, you know, that's that's the whole the whole focus for us is, is really just creating this, this digitally native modern experience that is delightful to customers rather than uh, what the legacy players have been offering in the market for so long. So what do you saw revenues rise 40x in 2020? So as we're in the you know raging COVID moment, can you teach us your lessons about go-to-market strategy? What did you get right? 
you know, we have 460 employees uh, right now in just over three years. So, you know, we hired 350 people in the last 12 months. I mean, we saw just explosive growth that was driven by demand from our merchant partners, right? As we continue to move up funnel and sign, you know, and, and operate with larger merchants, including, you know, Nectar Sleep and Peloton and uh, Advanced Auto Parts and Traeger Grills and other brand names that you know well today. Um, so, you know, that revenue explosion, um, I think, was was as a result of a couple of things. Well, number one, it was a tremendous shift to e-commerce, right? Many people, including myself, uh, you know, were, were affected by the pandemic and we stayed home and we didn't leave. So we really relied on, you know, Amazon, but then also other independent retailers who, who quickly shifted to uh, an online sales motion. And what we saw from those online merchants was that they were looking to match Amazon, Walmart, and other marketplaces with the optionality that customers had. And what I mean by that is buy now, pay later, returns management, right? And then extended warranties and protection plans. These became table stakes. These became necessary tools that OEMs and other retailers needed to have in order to be able to compete with the biggest players in the space. So along with that, we saw tremendous demand for extend and the ability to increase margin, because that's what we do for our merchant partners. We increase the average order value and then create additional margin opportunities. And this is bottom line net income that they drive because we're taking on the balance sheet risk of the program and the administration. So we saw tremendous demand uh, throughout the pandemic. And then that was also buoyed by the fact that you saw a tremendous shift, almost in a 3x increase on online commerce. Last but not least, and hats off you know, to our machine learning and data science team that we have in-house, is we're continually optimizing. We're testing different pricing, placement, copy, content, and more. So this is really a turnkey solution for our merchant partners that's going to look to find what is resonating with customers from a content standpoint, and then what's the right price point to make sure that we can get the majority of customers to engage. Woody, I want to talk a little bit about what is the most common thing that people are ensuring outside of the super obvious, right? And then what are the uncommon things? What, what are the things were that you were sort of surprised by? So I think the most common thing that people are buying uh, protection plans on uh, right now for us is, is consumer electronics, uh, mattresses, right? We have an amazing mattress program where it protects against uh, rips, tears, and or spills. Auto parts is, is really big for us uh, as well. That's a, a really interesting category. We're working with uh, Michael's, if you know Michael's, like the craft uh, store. So that's a big box retailer. Everyone growing up as a kid went to Michael's. Everyone knows Michael's. Yep, exactly. So we're working with them and covering their machines, but also that they sell. We're also covering picture frames. There's a lot that we can do and we can get creative. The reason for this, Alexa, is because Extend, as I said before, is fully vertically integrated. We're what's called our own obligor. So we actually are taking on the balance sheet risk of our programs. We're not relying on third-party insurance companies. And the reason for this is not because we want to be an insurance company. We don't. But because we are a technology company, the insurance companies were moving too slow for us. Peloton was coming out with a new product. And they said, they didn't say Woody. I wasn't the person who got the call. But they said to uh, Sarah on our team, they said, Sarah, we're launching this new product. Can you give us pricing on it? Right. And we went to our insurance partner and it said, said, we can get you this in six months. That doesn't work, right? That doesn't work for your partners if you're a technology company. You need to be nimble. You need to be able to move fast. So because of that, we started the process over a year and a half ago of becoming a licensed obligor in all 50 states. And now we can put a new program to market in under a week. Um, A great example of this that I like to talk about is if you know iRobot, 
um, iRobot has the Roomba and the Zumba. These are the mechanical, the robotic vacuum cleaners and or mops. The biggest issue that the Roomba and the Zumba have, and it's not covered under manufacturer warranty, is it rolls over pet doo-doo, right? Rolls it over, sucks it in, and it breaks the vacuum, right? Or, you know, it's not, it's not fun to think about, but <laughs> that's what happens. So they said, can you create a custom protection plan program that covers pet doo-doo, right? We said, of course we can, right? We just, it's just a math equation. So we put that together and their Facebook page went wild. I mean, people were rejoicing. They thought it was the best thing since sliced bread because we create this customized program. So again, being fully vertically integrated and be able to serve both our merchant partners and our customers in the best possible way is what has allowed us to grow our revenues so quickly. Got it. Um, so my last question on the business is just, You've done this, as you said, in you know just over three years. Tremendous growth, you know, huge valuation for the business. As you look forward on the category, five years, ten years out, what are your predictions for the category? What are the things that you get excited about that are kind of inspiring you for the next five years? What could the future look like? I mean, I think there's tremendous opportunity both here in the United States to um, expand TAM through the way that we're touching uh, consumers, right? As a, as, a, as a true software company, we can touch consumers as more products become connected devices. Inside of the apps, we can create calls to actions for people to add extended warranties. It actually doesn't have to be done at the point of checkout. It can be when you're holding that device. Again, these legacy players are not able uh, to do that because they don't have you know, the, the APIs and the, and the SDKs in order to be able to touch consumers where they reside. So I think that we can provide this value-add service uh, to merchant partners uh, across the entire stack from SMB, mid-market, uh, and enterprise. We can open up uh, additional uh, avenues of purchase uh, for them. But you know, as we think about this, we don't want to be a one-product company. We really want to grow into a platform that really owns the entire post-purchase experience. So much time and energy, and there's so many companies focused on pre-purchase. How do we get you into the funnel? Once you're in the funnel, how do we optimize that? How do we process the transaction? And then post-purchase, kind of like this hodgepodge of companies that are out there. And as I'm sure you're familiar with, in most industries, there's an unbundling that happens, right? You have horizontally specific merchants or service providers, which are going to solve discrete use cases inside of that, whether it's returns management or product registration or protection plans or buy now, pay later. But what we're seeing from our over 750 merchant partners is they don't want to deal with 15 or 17 different service providers. They want two or three. So because we have a significant right to play across the entire merchant stack because of how we integrate, we touch their ERP systems with customer service, order management, billing, and more, it's very simple for us to turn on new features and functionality and provide more value to our merchant partners. So that's really where we see ourselves going in the future uh, is not just protection plans, but really owning that entire post-purchase experience uh, for our merchant partners. And we'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Alexa here. Not only do I get the opportunity to speak with all types of founders on, for starters, but I'm a repeat founder myself. We all know how vital fundraising is to a startup. Carta knows this too. That's why they had founders in mind when they created their fundraising suite, providing tools and support to take the friction out of fundraising. They save founders time and money, allowing you to focus on your goals, not the admin work needed to close around. From simply issuing safes to quickly receiving funds, Carta Fundraising Suites helps their cap table customers raise a better fundraising round. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Woody, I want to transition a little bit um, to you now, which is 
Extend is your fifth company. You're clearly a serial entrepreneur and operator. How do you identify whether or not an opportunity is worth pursuing? Like, how do you define that? My wife like sort of pokes fun at me because I can't just like look at a problem and say like, okay, let's go, let's go. You know, if I, anytime I see a problem, I see an opportunity and it's sort of like a blessing and a curse uh, because I have all these ideas that are going in my head run to- at one time. And, you know, the key as an entrepreneur is really to be focused, I think, and to, to have blinders on uh, and, and focus on, on what's in front of you. So in seeing these opportunities, I think a lot of it for me really stems from personal experiences that I've had. And having frustration or seeing inefficiencies or opportunity there. You know, if I'm at the beach and I see someone selling ice cream out of a, a, a cart and right, and they're selling a ton of ice cream and they sell out and we're on a, like a really long beach strand, I'd think like, why can't you have 50 people selling ice cream and then buy it in bulk? It's just sort of how my mind works is to think, you know, how do we, how do we scale this? How do we make it more effective? How do we serve people in a better manner? Was there something specific that your parents did that you think made you special? something that you would repeat? I'm very close with my parents. You know, I'm, I'm so lucky to have them in my life and have a, a tremendous relationship with them. And, and, you know, my dad really, I saw it from my dad, you know, my dad, when I was younger, a lot of times during the week, my dad wouldn't come home till 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night because he was working, right? And my dad was a lawyer, right? And people are like, oh, lawyers, they don't have to work hard. Like they work, he works so hard, you know? And I think that really showed me, you know, the sacrifice that you have to make, right? And he did it, you know, to provide for his family. Uh, And I love him so much and appreciate, you know, everything that that he and my mom have done. So I think it's, it was number one, I think it's, they always pushed me to never be afraid to fail, right? Uh, You know, my dad would always say, if you don't try, you can't fail. And really the saying is, if you don't try, you can't succeed, right? (laughs) But he would kind of just make a joke out of it and just say, if you don't try, you can't fail. And you know, I think not being afraid of failure is something that they uh, instilled in me early on. And, and also it, it sounds cliche, but it's just to just not to give up. Right. And, and um, I think that at extend, you know, we are a, we're a sales driven organization. Right. And, and for me, the negotiation starts at the first note. I love it. And by the way, I can tell that's really true to your personality also, which is awesome. Um, okay. So now to ice hockey, you are a D1 ice hockey player at the University of Wisconsin. Yes. What lessons do you feel like you pull uh, from your athletic background into entrepreneurship? There's so many parallels there for, for anyone. And you don't even have to play division one sports. I just think, I think being an athlete or, you know, teaches you so much, well, at least in college for me, right? For me, let's focus on that. It taught me a tremendous amount of discipline, right? It definitely made me humble because there's people who are way better at you, better than you at, at, at what you're doing. Time management was essential, right? At 17 years old, as a freshman in college, I had to manage wanting to make new friends, wanting to go out and experience college, practice at six in the morning, practice again at 3.30 in the afternoon, studying, going to class, right? And everything else that goes into it. So um, I think it's organization, time management, hard work, uh, being part of a team, right? And being accountable to your team members. I mean, that's not so different than being at a company where you're accountable for delivering, you know, what is expected of you. So I'm so thankful for, you know, for my my sport experiences. Uh, I think it's, it's taught me a lot and shaped me into who I am for sure. You strike me as somebody who recovers from failure really well, and you have this great sentiment that I've read about, which is entrepreneur is never a straight line, which I obviously deeply agree with. 
Um, how do you bounce back from when something really bad happens? Like, what is your toolkit? Listen, no, no one likes to fail and no one likes being told no. And it happens, right? It, it just, it happens. And we're so blessed and we're so lucky to be in there. I feel like I'm so blessed and so lucky to be in the position that I am. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta shrug it off. And it's, it's, it's just, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that you can't feel bad for yourself. That doesn't mean that you can't hold on to it, but you know, when something bad happens or, or we don't get what we want in the company, like I have a chip on my shoulder, you know, before this, I started a crypto uh, currency hedge fund, right? I was super into crypto. And in 2017, that was like the only time that was, or 2018 it was the bad, only bad time to start a cryptocurrency hedge fund ever, right? The market went down and we wound up returning, you know, about 2.5 X on the fund, but for a while it was a loser, right? And it was the first professional career oriented miss that I had ever had. And I was definitely depressed uh, over it. Um, it was a really tough time and I used it as fuel, right? I, I used that as fuel. I had, when I started Extend, I had a tremendous chip on my shoulder and I still do, right? To overcome that failure. Last question on you, which is you're clearly somebody who lives life to the fullest, is really aggressive, wants to build things, can you give us a sense of what do you do to stay on the tracks? What what's yours? Like when the world is chaotic, you know, you've gone in from zero to 400 plus employees in a short period of time through COVID, building extend, moving fast, breaking things, all the things. How do you stay sane? And how do you keep yourself sane? So that's a big assumption, right? That you're that we're assuming that I am sane. <laughs> no, I think, you know, number one, I think it's for me, it's you gotta embrace the chaos. Right. Like you get you you gotta know what you're getting into. I mean, you've you've done it yourself, right? And and startups are chaos, right? And and the amplitude of emotions, you know, for a startup founder are tremendous. And so you have to be able to manage those. I think that that's so important. And for me, it's you know, if things are really crazy, it's like I gotta go work out. I gotta go for a run, right? I need to, I need to be outside. Um, I'm so blessed now with the family and I get to spend time with my kids and, you know, your, your kids, well, they have no idea what's going on at work. They don't really care. Right. So they just want to, they just want daddy, right. They just want to hang out. They want to play hockey or basketball or, or read a book. And, you know, it's, 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 it's taking a little bit of time away. I find, right. Um, allows you to de allows me to decompress. Right. And, and probably also think differently about the situation. I think the biggest thing to avoid is emotional knee-jerk reactions. And it's hard to do that. It's something, because I'm a very emotional person, it's something that is very hard to do, uh, especially in a work situation, but you're nine times out of 10, much better off when you don't make that emotional knee-jerk uh, comment or send that, I mean, sometimes I'll even, sometimes I'll even write emails and then not send them <laughs> and then come back and read them a couple hours later. Right. And be like, this is silly. Silly. I don't want to say that. So I think it's you have to be able to control to control your emotions. Yes. No, we all have those texts that we draft to our spouses and then you just don't hit send and you just are, you're happy about that, too. Um, no OK, wait, Woody, quick fire round. I'm going to ask a question and I want the first thing that comes to your mind. To date, what was the moment at Extend in the last three and a half years that you came home and said, wow, I can't believe we accomplished that. What was your biggest pinch me moment to date? Call with uh, call with Masa's son from uh, SoftBank and and him uh, enthusiastically telling me that he wanted to invest five hundred million dollars in the company. Wow, uh, pretty cool in a short period of time. Fast forward two years, how many days a week do you think we'll be in an office? Zero. Wow. 
very few people have said zero. If if anybody, I'm I'm excited. T- tell me one one more sentence, or give give us a little bit more detail on why. So I think that question is on a regular basis, on a normal schedule. I don't think it's necessary. I think that we are becoming more accustomed to working remotely. I think it extends our capabilities in some senses. It also does hinder us in others. So if we can find a way to collaborate uh, once a quarter, uh, ever half of the year, you know, have an offsite with your team, um, the efficiencies that that I see from my team to not having to commute in, right, uh, being able to gain that extra time. Um, you know, with with their families, right? That also balances them out from a work perspective. I think uh, I think really works. Now that doesn't work for all companies, right? But like from Extend, which is truly a software company, um, I, I don't think it's necessary to be in the office. Got it. What is the interview question you like to ask people to really understand who they are? If you are not at this company uh, after a year, uh, what what's happened and why? Oh, I like that one. That's a great one, Woody. I'm stealing that one. Please. A book that you come back to that you feel like you would recommend to anybody, and it's not doesn't have to be a business book. Any book that you feel like in your life. Uh, I like The Alchemist uh, by Paul Cachello. Cachello, Cachello. I can't say his name correctly, but The Alchemist. Last question is: Other than extend anything of the last two years that caught your attention that you're excited about, so it can be another startup. It can be a new product. It can be anything you are really exceptionally enthusiastic about. Yeah, crypto Web3. I mean, I mean I'm just a huge fan of, of crypto. And I think we're really getting to the point right now where we're starting to see meaningful use cases where uh, you're, you're having crypto, crypto incentivized systems where you're really going to disintermediate sort of the rent-seeking middlemen and middle women that exist today. You're seeing it in in DeFi, right? I don't know if we'll ever unseat. Uh, and I say we, because when that happens, we will all be a part of the community, right? It's like, it's like the, reward the creators, reward the people who are building the platform, not the people who are sitting in the middle, just taking a tax. Uh, I agree with you on that one as well. Um, Woody, first of all, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Everybody out there, if you want to learn more, check out extend.com to learn everything about what Woody's been building. Um, and you can join us next week on Inc. The Founders Project with Alex Montobel. And Woody, just absolute joy to meet you. You have a buoyancy that is really contagious uh, and we're absolutely rooting for you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was awesome to, to hang for a bit. 